and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and this episode is something that I'm really proud of for a number of reasons. So I thought I might do something different this time and just chat a bit before the episode because I have so much that I want to share. And I imagine if you are listening to this, then we have at least one thing in common. So you guys will hopefully get my excitement. As some of you may be aware, I was one of the hosts of Mecca Land last month, which for those of you based overseas, it's Australia's biggest beauty festival, 15,000 ticket holders, 40-odd beauty brands, lead artists from all over the world, and me on stage with a microphone interviewing them. So the whole weekend sincerely felt as though like all of my dreams, personal and professional, were coming true at once. Now, I'm fortunate in that I was working really closely with a number of those global artists across the weekend, so there was a rapport there already. But I thought, these are people that I only really have access to once a year at most, so why not still say 15 minutes with each of them? Like They're some of the biggest names in beauty in the world. They're sitting at the helm of the artistry team's of the biggest beauty brands on the planet. So that is what we've done. I can't really wipe the smile off my face because this this episode does sort of feel like everything I've been working towards coming together. So in between each session of the festival, I would come off stage and then instead of taking a break, I would write, record and produce an interview. So worth it. I wrapped my first three interviews for the weekend with Chanel from Hourglass, Elise from Too Faced and Steve from Urban Decay. So naturally, I'm pinching myself because these are global icons. And then I find out my request to sit down with Uzo from Nas, who in her words, almost always says no to interviews, has been approved because Uzo loved working with me on stage and because someone from Nas Global listens to my podcast. So we've got Nas, Hourglass, Urban Decay, Too Faced. We're 444 baby. Beauty people will get how big this is and how hard I've worked for this. And honestly, the biggest thing that I took from Mechaland is that now a lot of these people that I've admired for such a long time, a lot of them are people that I get to call my friends now. So I... I won't ever forget this and I really can't thank the artists, the brands and of course the Mecca team enough for being so generous with their time and their knowledge and just for trusting me with this. So that is about as sappy as this nice queen ever gets. So without further ado, Nas Global Artistry Director Uzo, Hourglass Global Makeup Artist Chanel Temple, Two-Faced global pro artist Elise Renault and Urban Decay global makeup artist Steve Kasadikin. We've got the giggles out of our system. Yeah, so Thank you so much for this. Thank you for having me. I'm just excited to pick your brain. Yeah. I like to start off by asking, what was your first memory of beauty? Wow. Um... People always say they're mothers, 
Mm-hmm. And I do think of my mother. My mother was really very simple with makeup. Um, all she did was a little black eyeliner and a little lipstick. Mm-hmm. That wasn't enough for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> it wasn't. Um, I loved all those magazines. I actually grew up in the 70s, mm-hmm. so I'm a little older than I Oh, but you don't look. look it, do you? <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> and I was fascinated with makeup. I loved all the fashion magazines and all the, the editorials. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I, I was always interested in it, and I came. I come from a very strict family, right. so I was not allowed to wear makeup. So I dreamed my dreams through the fashion pages. Now, despite that really early interest in yeah. beauty, am I right in saying that you were once a med student? Actually, I finished medical school. <gasps> there I, you go. I graduated. What can't I, she do? <laughs> <laughs> and I practiced for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I was that med student when I was in college that had blue mascara, that had fuchsia lipstick. And the, the doctors are like, can you see through all that makeup? Can you see the patients? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I did. I graduated from medical school and I practiced mm-hmm. for a couple of years. And then what was the catalyst that led you to follow your passion for beauty? So um, I decided to relocate to the U.S. because mm-hmm. uh, I went to college um, in Nigeria, even though uh-huh. I was born and bred in the U.S., mm-hmm. So it was a lot of back and forth, and I told my parents I want to go specialize. Yeah. Um, I couldn't decide if it was going to be surgery or ear, nose, and throat, and I want to do it in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I was in the U.S., and I relocated to Los Angeles. Wow. The city of angels. Yes. Hollywood, and it reignited my passion again in mm-hmm. makeup. So I told my parents, I'm going to take a break. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and that actually was the catalyst. Um, being um, immersed in, um, in a makeup environment because I got a summer job mm-hmm. at a cleaning counter. Ah. Yeah. And that just literally set the ball in motion. Um, next thing, I found myself working for Bobby Brown. Yes. When she still owned the brand. Wow. And I did that with her with a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And the rest is history. And the thing I found myself at NARS Cosmetics. Yes. Now you are the NARS Global Artistry Director. What was it that initially drew you to the brand? One word, one name. She's an icon. Mm-hmm. Naomi Campbell. Or should oh. I say Naomi? Yes. <laughs> and what is so interesting is that I met Naomi backstage um, at a fashion show. Mm-hmm. That was sponsored by Bobby Brown. Of course. And it was Tommy Hilfiger, and he was opening his flagship store in Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. So it was a very huge fashion show. There was a lot of celebrity attendees. And Naomi was not modeling. She was one of the front row guests. So she came backstage, actually talked to Tommy. Wow. And I just remember looking at her, just how beautiful she looked. And her makeup Mm -hmm. was Literally, she blew everybody out of the water. <laughs> Modern, audacious. It was like, I was like, I want to work for the brand. Mm-hmm. And I already knew it was NARS. I'm like, I want to go work for NARS. That's, that's, that's what drew you to it. That's what drew me to Will you start, am I right in saying you started with the brand in 99? 98. 98. And then yes. 99 was the launch of Orgasm. Yes. So uh, you were there for that. Yes. And who knew? I mean, to be honest, who knew? Even Francois didn't know. Really? No. I mean, I guess you can predict that something's going to sell, but to the extent that it has. I mean, and what's interesting, Francois, till today, tells us that he thought of the name of the product before the actual product. Ah. So, I mean, we knew at that time that naming a blush orgasm was going to create a 
bit of controversy. Of course. But, you know, um, it brought a lot of people mm. to the Mars counter. Bit of buzz. But the way it sold out, honestly, none, none of us had expected that. It is unbelievable because when you think of a cult product, yeah. that is without yes. any semblance of a doubt the first thing that pops yeah. into my head. Yeah. What do you think it is about that specific product uh-huh. that resonates with so many people even today? It, you know what, the, the hybrid, the, the peach, the pink, the way Francois fused those two colors together with that undertone of gold shimmer, it looks great on all skin tones. It's truly universal. Yeah, it is, but I also think the name of the product still well it's funny because that's how you know it's an icon because i hear the word orgasm and i think of makeup (laughs) that's where my mind goes first i don't know what that says about me (laughs) so you've been with nas for upwards of 20 years now how would you say that the beauty industry has changed in that time Wow, I think most of the change has been within the last two or three years. I know that mm-hmm. social media has been around longer than that, but I think the effect of Instagram, which is a very visual mm. social media platform, has opened up cosmetics and the beauty industry in such, I'm going to say in such a unique way. Mm. Um, I remember when Francois started, that's mm-hmm. way before my time, and there were only very few makeup artists. Yeah. But today, I mean, it is saturated, almost a point of oversaturated. And I I think that it's great. I mean, everybody has the opportunity to dream if you want to be a makeup artist and put your hat in the ring. Mm -hmm. Um, Social media can help you to that extent. I don't think it can do everything for you because it's really more about you, the makeup artist. Mm. But um, it's it's completely different now than when it was when I started. Given how heavily saturated the industry is now, how do you think people should work to set themselves apart from the pack? You have to set yourself apart. Mm-hmm. You have to. I mean, this is an industry where we talk about trends yeah. and everybody follows the same trends. Mm-hmm. But as a makeup artist, you have to Think of a style and aesthetic that sets you apart from everybody else, but really at the end of the day is to remain authentic to who you are Mm -hmm. as a person and everything else falls into place. Well, speaking of trends, as the NAS Global Artistry Director, you, I mean, you're really setting the trends. You have to be at the forefront of everything. It's you that is coming up with everything that we see for the next season. Sort of. It's the designer starts the story. Oh, there you go. The designer starts the story. I'm just an interpreter. And then what a wonderful interpreter you are. Can you talk to me a bit about that process? Because it's so fascinating I, to it, me. You know, it, it, to me, it's, it's so fascinating to me, too, that a designer who is coming up with clothes is setting, you know, is telling me the story of this is what I'm seeing. Because designers, they think in color. They think mm-hmm. in texture. They have a maybe an underlying story. Mm-hmm. But they also have in their mind a vision of how the beauty look is going to work with the clothes right and so they're part of the process of setting the trends now i'm the interpreter i'm mm-hmm. going to fine-tune it to make sure that it does work with the story and the clothes mm-hmm. and a little bit of how it's going to look on the customer in the real world do you ever have to push back a bit and say look this isn't going to translate into the real world this won't work i have to how do you say it? Pick my battles? Yes. With, yeah. That is to a... <laughs> it was a New Year's resolution for me, <laughs> so I can very much yeah, relate. Yeah, you have to pick your battles. 
Um, I also wanted to ask, what are the hero products in your personal kit? Obviously not the whole kit. We'll be here for about three days. I carry everything but the (laughs) kitchen sink. (laughs) So um, right off the bat, it would be the Radiant Creamy Concealer, obviously from NARS. Um, my whole face is nice today, so just everything <laughs> I, you're saying, you I'm like, look tick, amazing. Tick, tick. Oh, it's these oh my mecha God. girls. And I saw incredible. you early in the morning. You still look amazing. Thank you. Too kind. Um, um, I'm a blush girl. Even yes. when the contour and sculpting thing was in highlight, I just I love blush. So I have a good number of blushes mm-hmm. in my my personal kit. I can imagine. <laughs> and um, what else? I I'm a matte girl, so I always have a pressed powder. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And um, what else? I love a good makeup remover. Because you've got to take okay. all of this off. Yeah. Um, I love the trend of micellar water. Yeah. Because it really does draw, it takes the makeup off and it draws out the impurities from the surface. So mm-hmm. I, I, I live for cleansers, masks, anything that keeps the skin clear after a full day of wearing makeup. Well, that kind of originated backstage at Fashion Weeks, didn't it? Because yeah. the turnaround was yeah. so quick. You needed something quick thorough um, that didn't strip the skin nor irritate it but Mm -hmm. gets the makeup off given that you are at the forefront of beauty what do you think we can expect to see in the next say six to twelve months um we've already started to see it Mm -hmm. we're seeing less contour yes we Um, are i think highlighting isn't going anywhere and it's not going anywhere anytime soon but i think Mm -hmm. we're seeing a much more elegant version where it's not so shimmery and it looks more Mm -hmm. like skin um, I'm thinking that all the beautiful eyeshadows that we're seeing presently, shimmer, blues, green, bronze, copper, rose gold, it's been a lot of color for a lot of seasons. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling that the pendulum is going to swing in the completely opposite direction where we're going to go to just more clean, like just liner, mm-hmm. black, dark brown, liquid, pencil. I think we're going to have a graphic liner moment Ooh. when we get tired of the color moments. Oh, interesting. I can't (laughs) wait to see this all pan out before our very eyes. You inspire so, so many people, just countless people. So my final question would Mm. be, what is your advice for anyone who wants to make it in the beauty industry? Find a mentor. Mm -hmm. A mentor. Somebody who's been in the business longer than you have. Because right now, because the market is so saturated, the industry is so saturated, you need somebody that can give you advice based on possibly their own experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started out, I did everything by myself. And I wish that I had given myself or I had listened to the advice I'm giving others is to find somebody who can really give you some sort of direction and um, experiences based on what they've gone through. So a mentor can really help you guide you through the valleys and the mountains of trying to be a makeup artist beautiful chanel hi what was your first memory of beauty oh i love this um probably my mom my mom modeled when i was younger and Mm. she used to model in Saks. so they have this thing where you can come in and like model the new season and they'll kind of walk around the store and model and she used to bring me with her and she'd pop me down at the counter and I think it was Bobby Brown counter, but she'd oh. leave me there while she modeled. And I the just, ultimate babysitter. I mean, that man had his hands full, <laughs> but I fell in love with makeup. I played with like eyeliner when I was like five years old. It was just something I adored. 
So you obviously had an affinity for makeup from a really young age. Absolutely. Did you always think you would end up working in beauty? You know, I didn't actually. I When I was really young, I always said I want to be a makeup artist. And then mm-hmm. I got older and figured it's so saturated. I'm never going to mm-hmm. be successful. Like there's way too many. I mean, it's funny how much that's even changed since I started my mm. career. But um, I tried doing school and I tried mm-hmm. working in an office and I was so unhappy and my creative juices were just flowing. <laughs> and I got an opportunity to work with Hourglass. I had worked for a brand before, but mm-hmm. it just made sense. It felt right. I felt like I was doing what I needed to do. It's funny that you mention the industry being oversaturated because I wanted to ask, you've been a makeup artist since you were 18. Mm-hmm. How has digital changed the way that you work as a makeup artist and how has it changed the industry as a whole? Oh my goodness. I think it's changed everything because I think with my position, I meet with a lot of influencers and I meet with makeup artists. Mm-hmm. And so I think the difference in the perspective is fascinating. You have old school makeup artists who you just had your book and you had your website. Getting even a website was wild back yes. then, you know? Oh, but shot. Yeah, I think having an Instagram now, it's your main platform to showcase your work. Mm. So I'm seeing all these other people having to really push to take photos after mm. and remember to do that. I think it's changed in a positive way, though. I think it's connected so many people. I get to mm. talk to people like you. Like, I've been following <laughs> you. Little old me. No, but it's well, we amazing. Met probably a year ago. Yeah. Now. And I think it, it's incredible to be able to connect with people in different parts of the world mm. and share that love of beauty. Whereas without social media, we wouldn't quite have that same connection. Yeah. It wouldn't be as often. You wouldn't be connecting all the time. And I'm constantly inspired by seeing other people's makeup on Instagram. So personally, I think it's changed for the better. But. I think so too. <laughs> I think this weekend kind of is evidence of that because it's so accessible now. Like everyone knows what products are coming out. What's, Absolutely. It's crazy. No, I'm I'm grateful for it. I think it's amazing. Now you're obviously the go-to for all things Hourglass. Yes. I, wanted, I asked you about this the other day, but I'm doing it again because I love the story. Talk to me about the ambient lighting powders because I know they are the brands like cult product and I just yes. love the story behind them. They are stunning. So the inspiration was from our CEO and founder. Mm-hmm. Her name is Carissa Janes. Magical woman, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, just Google her and you'll be like, she's mm-hmm. incredible. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> I get it. But when she was growing up, her mom used to light her home with pink light bulbs. Mm-hmm. So extra. So <laughs> extra. And she just felt that was her most flattering light. Not everyone looks beautiful in pink lighting. Mm-hmm. Some people need blue light. Some people need warmer light. Mm-hmm. But that was her most perfect light. So Carissa wanted to create something where we could emulate that type of light source mm-hmm. anywhere. It's like being your own lighting technician. Yeah. So you're creating this filter of light on the skin. Even in really harsh, unflattering light, if you have your ambient lighting collection or any powder or the palette, really, you're going to just have the most flattering light. And those powders kind of, I mean, I don't know the technical term, but they (laughs) kind of run through the bronzes and the blush, all the cheek colors. So they have something called, this is where I'll get fancy, (laughs) photoluminescent technology. Oh my God, I love that. (laughs) And that's a technology that essentially is just um, capturing the most flattering light Mm -hmm. and putting it on the skin and diffusing out any harsh light. So you have some that are for a sunset glow. You're getting Mm -hmm. a candlelit glow. You might have a morning lit glow, moonlit glow, Mm. just giving you that most beautiful light. 
I love it. I am a big fan of all of Hourglass's base products, but yes. there's so many like you know the tinted moisturizers, foundations, all of that. How do we choose the right formula for our skin? Solid question. So we do have, I think, four or five foundations now. Mm-hmm. We keep growing, which I love. Yes. Um, we have something for really any skin type. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a huge shade range in each one, so we cater to different skin tones. Yes. But we have something for oily skin, so we have a fully liquid to powder foundation mm-hmm. that's really great for that oily, more acneic skin type. Yeah. We have our stick that you can use for everyone. Mm-hmm. Oily, dry, doesn't matter combo. It's going to yeah. be perfect for you. Our newest foundation we launched with, our liquid, I would say is more for oily to normal complexion. It's yeah. super full coverage. Like It's in, so it's long in, lasting yes. as well. I tested it because you know how there's the Harry Potter stage show and you have to yes. come back. Like there's two parts. I thought, well, this will be the test because I had to leave my house at bloody midday and then yeah. came back. How was that, later. by the way? Oh, my God, it's the best thing I, I've ever seen. Oh. But that's the test of yeah. foundation. So there were two things that I took away from that. Yeah, anyway, amazing. As you, as I you love were. that. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Also, we'll have to talk about Harry Potter more yeah, of after this. Big fan. Um, no, I, I think we just we try to really cater to your skin type. Mm-hmm. And some products are easier to build, like the liquid. We wanted it to just be an instant full coverage that mm-hmm. felt like skin. Yeah. I'm so glad there's construction happening. Oh my god, us. I love it. Just We're really in the pits, ladies. It's so We're industrial. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not the end of the world. No, no, no we're fine. It's that Mechalan, y'all. You know what's happening. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not like a confetti cannon happening. I know. <laughs> Same question, but for brows, because I use. I mean, my like brow routine is to use the hourglass, the pencil mm-hmm. with the spoolie in the end, and then I go back in with the gel but how do we if we're just going to pick one product how do we pick the right one for our brows i personally like just a gel if you have to like choose just one yeah because i think a gel ours have microfibers Mm -hmm. so it's actually instantly filling and what i yes it is feel like it does is it grabs those little baby hairs Mm -hmm. we have different layers to our brow hairs yeah so you have those really soft little light ones you can't really see very well Mm -hmm. You have um, your obviously natural, really full brow as well. Uh, Just watching it all happen around us. (laughs) She wants to know about brows as well, clearly. But the brow gel is going to grab those hairs. It's going to fill. It's going to build. And it'll Mm -hmm. instantly set. Amazing. Um, Whereas the pencil is going to be there to help you define. Yeah. It's going to structure and give kind of um, a stencil for the gel to go back in after with. Um. I mean, I've been watching you work all weekend <laughs> with, um, as far as like brushes, sponges, fingers, what's your preference and why? Brushes. Oh yeah. my gosh. I feel like I couldn't live without brushes. There's mm-hmm. definitely some products that your fingers apply beautifully with, like yeah. cream products, a cream blush, a cream eyeshadow. I definitely big fan of the fingers, but mm-hmm. I think your brushes are an extension of your artistry they really help you be a better artist and if you have mm-hmm. good brushes you can make a cra- you can make a crappy product <laughs> do a lot more yeah completely agree brushes aside what are the other products that you can't live without like what does every aspiring makeup artist have to have in their kit 
two products. I think you need a lip oil treatment. That's my stranded on a desert island product. I would die without our lip oil. Mm -hmm. It's just great. It's going to hydrate the lips. You can use it as a a treatment too if someone's got like flaky peeling situation, which will be all of us after this weekend. Yes. It kind of just helps bring them back to life. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a must have in any kit. And our ambient lighting palette. Yes. Because that has two of the most popular powders as well as a highlighter. Mm -hmm. So you can add the glow. You can bring it down. Those I think are staples. Agreed. Now, being a global makeup artist, you really are at the forefront of what's coming trend-wise. So what can we expect to see from beauty in the next season? This is the trend I've been sticking with because I said this in February and I feel like it's it's coming to fruition. Yeah. So last year, and I think the last couple years, we've seen a lot of monochromatic makeup. It mm-hmm. was major. You had the pink eye, the pink lip, the pink, which yeah. is mad magic, the mm-hmm. red eyes and all of that. But I think we're still going to see a lot of color I think it'll just maybe be more complimentary color or color block. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's a blue eye with a red lip or maybe it's a peach eye and a red lip, whatever. I think we're just going to see more color stories and I think softer skin. Mm. I think we're going to see people's skin a lot more this year. Amazing. My last question. Mm -hmm. I imagine there are a lot of people listening who are wanting to get into the beauty industry and maybe emulate a bit of your success. So what would your advice be to anyone wanting to get into makeup? Great question. I think the best way is to kind of figure out maybe what lane you want to be in. Mm -hmm. For me, I decided I wanted to work with a brand. And that has been the best thing I could have done for myself. But I know some people want to freelance or someone Mm -hmm. might want to work on set in a movie yeah. Or, you know, some, or maybe want to do TV shows or commercials or whatever. So I think try it all. Mm-hmm. I think um, even if it's starting at a counter, which so many of us artists did, mm-hmm. start at the counter, start at your Mecca. Yes. Start at, you know, any of those spaces and just get your feet in there, get your feet wet. And mm-hmm. you'll be able to decide what feels best for you and where you want your career to go. Elise. Yes. What was your first memory of beauty? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. I actually grew up with a mom who sold Mary Kay, which was, do you guys have Mary Kay here? Yeah, I don't know if we've still got it here, but I certainly, it's the same sort of Avon kind of Yes, exactly. Yeah, so she sold Mary Kay and she would bring out these beautiful, like pink cases that had all of these gorgeous eyeshadows and, and she would host these parties where women would get so excited. And I was always so drawn. I was like, gosh, makeup is so fun. Like, look at how happy it makes women. It's transformative inside and out. It really is. It's not just about what goes on your face. It's how it makes you feel. Mm. That was always something that drew me to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been watching you do makeup all this weekend and you have so much fun with it. So I comes it across is fun. in your work oh my as gosh. well. I love it. Well, here's the thing. I could never do anything else because I'm not good at anything else. So I'm just <laughs> going to stick with what I know. That's the spirit. <laughs> we were also talking a bit about how you've done, I mean, you've been working for 15 years, yes. which again, doesn't make sense to me because you look so young and fresh. Thank you. Well, that's because I've been doing Botox since I was 25. There you go. Yeah. Preventative. <laughs> that's right. They told me it was preventative and I was like. It's good Botox. Yes. It's thank very you. very good. Well, anyway, my question was, you've been doing this for so long, so you've worked celebrities, red carpets, you've run the gamut. Yes. What is the difference in your approach to red carpet makeup as opposed to every day? I would say less. 
because the camera picks up everything. Mm -hmm. So when I'm doing red carpet makeup, I really want to make sure that it's flawless. And mm -hmm. I always make sure to use less powder for yep. whatever reason. Um, powder especially HD powder you really have to be careful with HD powder because then you end up having those like oh my gosh worst celebrity makeup where it like flashes back and you're like what's that horrible powder that looks like cocaine under their eyes you're like what is happening we make so, a very different yes. headline so I always make sure to take a picture and do it with flash and make mm -hmm. sure it looks exactly how I want it to look because I know these days we live our lives in pictures and everything is photographed mm -hmm. so I always take my client outside so that I can see what their makeup looks like in real life light from the sun and not just inside because sometimes it just looks completely different mm -hmm. and you can't have that like you know that line on your face where it's like one no, we color do not want that no all it takes is one bad photo and your career is over now your approach to beauty which is really the two-faced approach to approach to beauty sorry yes. is very fun you're obviously a very colorful gal yes what would your advice be to anyone who is a bit hesitant to work color into their routine i would say it's not a tattoo you know what mm -hmm. i mean it's not something that is going to you know change your your face forever mm -hmm. it's just something you want to have fun with i think i find so many women are scared to wear red lipstick they're always like oh my gosh i could never do that and yeah. i firmly believe that there's a red for every woman and it's just one of those things where you have to just try it. What's, what's it going to hurt? You can just wipe it off. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not a face tattoo, you know? Yeah. So you just got to be, you just got to try it. It's just like when I tried my wedding dress on, everybody's like, I, I always went into it knowing, that, like thinking that I wanted one thing and then I saw myself in it and it looked completely different. And that's what makeup does too. You never know. And I think that's what a good makeup artist does. Mm -hmm. They show their client different things that maybe are a little unexpected, but it makes you feel so beautiful. Mm -hmm. you know? I love that. Yeah. That's beautiful. Now, in your role as Two-Faced Global Pro Artist, yes. you have had a hand in developing products, and we were talking about how you're coming up with the names and stuff before. Yes. Talk me through that process. Where does it start? Where does it end? Well, the best part is is that I actually get to work with our founders and our co-founder, uh, Jared Blandina, who is our mm -hmm. chief creative officer. He is the Willy Wonka of cosmetics. <laughs> so the fact that I get to like just work by his side is probably the highlight of my entire career. He is a genius when it comes to ideas and he just is always thinking up new ideas and new concepts and putting them into life. And I just get to kind of assist and be on that ride with him to be the voice of artistry. Mm -hmm. So when we have like a product that's coming out, he's like, Elise, how would this work from an artistry perspective? Like, what is our girl or our pretty boy going to mm -hmm. say when they walk up to the counter? Like, I just get to give that artistry side to it mm -hmm. and that's that's how um i get to i feel like i'm actually giving and it's so fun but as far as naming products we sit with our product development team and our copywriters and jared and he is so freaking funny <laughs> he just makes us all laugh and when he it's kind of like this thing where i've never seen a founder work like with his like core people usually founders yeah. are like not as interactive they're in their office he is so in with us every single day How refreshing yeah and he'll just like come up with something funny and then ask us and we'll just kind of ping pong off of each other and we just mm -hmm. i'm not kidding you we laugh all day that's so nice it's so fun it really is like a pink crazy place to, to work it's like getting shot out of a pink cannon i just love hearing that because the products are so fun so it's nice that the process the development that goes into them is just as fun as well. Oh, it really it is fun. Across. Well, Jared has the best sense of humor. He just make he brings it into everything that we do. And you can see that from the products that we, he names because yes. they're so funny. <laughs> you are also responsible for creating the looks that we see in all these incredible global campaigns and the marketing and the collateral. 
Talk me through that process because you are really creating these looks that then we're going to see for the next season. So yes. how do you stay on top of it? So really it comes from um, Jared. So Jared designs like if, it, if whatever collection that we have, mm -hmm. he is the one that is the brains of what he wants uh, it to be. So my job is actually to bring his vision to life. Amazing. So he tells me what he wants and then I put together like a massive inspiration for him and then we build the look together. Mm -hmm. And it really is so fun because he just is so extra <laughs> that we always get to do crazy It doesn't surprise hair. me. <laughs> yes, and it's like there is not like there's no, we always think outside of the box and we always go as big as we possibly can. And that's mm -hmm. why I love him so much because he just is, he's a dream maker. He's a magic maker. I love it. But that's what you guys do with your products. You make people feel good. So. Oh, I love that sense. so much. And that's actually why we have sense in our products. Jared actually created that and infused oh. things with chocolate and peach. And be because he thinks that a woman's going to sit down and open up her peach palette. And no matter what, she's going to subconsciously smile you a little bit. feel great. Yeah, it makes you feel good. I need to come up with some sort of tech for Scratch and Sniff podcast. Because I, I mean. Oh, my God. I love Scratch and Sniff anything. Anything. Well, anything good. Soon. Wait, let's just say anything. Now you're also responsible for training up the artistry team in your sort of two-faced way. What is the two-faced way and how does that differ from other artists and other brands? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. The two-faced way, we have a saying at Two-Faced called own your pretty. And what mm -hmm. that means is we want you, no matter what look you like, wh whatever makes you feel beautiful. There's so many times that people are like, oh, follow this rule or follow that rule. We mm -hmm. are rule breakers. We don't believe Love in it. that. We want you to wear whatever, whatever that you have that makes you feel pretty. We want you to own it. We want Love you to it. feel confident and walk out the door because makeup is a powerful tool for, for self-confidence. Mm -hmm. And who are we to tell you what makes you feel self-confidence? We always say we nudge we don't judge. I love that. Oh my God. I feel like I should be taking notes because there's so many quotes in here <laughs> I want to pull out. Thank you. So you have to be, based on your role, you kind of have to be on top of the trends. You yes. are, I mean, you're setting them. How do you determine, I guess, what we're going to see for the next season when you're, you know, training the staff in the way? And then from there, what can we expect to see for the next season? Well, honestly, I feel like it's from Jared. Like everything that we do in our company is from Jared. Mm -hmm. He is the inspiration behind everything. And then I kind of just give him my input of what I think is happening. Mm -hmm. And that's based on looking at New York Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week, what's happening in fashion always mm -hmm. is very inspiring. And I think that I'm always looking at new artists. I mean, everything is on social media now. And I yes, spend so hours. Accessible. Yes, I spend hours and I, I find new artists and I, mm -hmm. I get very very inspired by different artists. I just, I feel like there's just so much, like I honestly don't even know how I sleep at night because <laughs> I just go down like a tunnel of, you know, eyeshadow close-ups and Very easy to vibes. do. And I'm, you know what I'm loving right now? I'm loving fluffy eyebrows. I just mm -hmm. love that that's in. And I feel yep. so sorry for myself because I was a 90s kid and we we tweezed all yeah. of our brows and now it's like- Gwen you, Stefani. Yes. Oh, Kate Moss. Oh, yes, bitch. of course. How could she do that to us? <laughs> it's all her fault. It really is. So fluffy brows are back. We're oh, gonna... my gosh. I love fluffy brows. And I love that skin is is in right yes. now. And I love that, like, less is more. Because there was mm. a time there where it was just, you were seeing nothing but full coverage. Even if you had perfect skin. Yeah. And it was like, why cover up your skin? It's not about covering it up. It's about enhancing what you have. Mm. So yeah, I love I love a dewy, glowy, born this way look, which is just what we did in our masterclass. Yeah, it that really that glow. Oh my. Oh my gosh, thank unbelievable. you. Unbelievable. 
My final question, beautiful Elise. I know a lot of people look up to you and would love to emulate some of the success that you've amassed as a global artist. So what would your advice be to anyone wanting to make it in the beauty industry? Number one is I I worked behind the counter. I think mm-hmm. that working behind the counter is the absolute best experience that you can get for yourself. You know why? Because you get to work on every skin tone, every age, every texture, and it's free. And that's free practice. Mm-hmm. And you cannot buy that. And you cannot buy that at school. Like if you go to school, you're going to work on maybe like a few people of certain skin tones mm. or textures or ages. But at the counter, you're, you're practicing every single day. And also paying your dues. I feel like a lot of times now people just expect instant success. And I worked for 10 years before I ever touched a celebrity's face. Mm -hmm. So you just can't give up. You got to work hard, practice. Uh, Don't burn any bridges because this is a very small industry. Believe in yourself and just don't give up. My first memory has to be me watching my mom get ready. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge mama's boy and growing up, I used to always be attached to her at the hip. Mm-hmm. And when she would get dressed and get ready and putting her makeup on, that I would be sitting next to her watching her. And that was really my first look into beauty and makeup mm-hmm. and watching her get ready and seeing a change in her, not only from the outside appearance, but also within, mm-hmm. really interested in my spark in the beauty industry. It's transformative. Yes. You've been working in makeup since you're about 19, yes. if my research serves me. So had you always, you know, from that early memory, did you think, okay, this is the industry I want to work in? You know, I, I knew it was something I wanted to do. I just had a love for it. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know if it was going to be a career or a hobby. Um, but I knew I wanted to be within that creative field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to love making women just feel beautiful. Yeah. Um, and seeing how just the red lip or a black stripe on the eye or a coat of mascara can completely change their persona and how they're feeling. Mm. So um, going into it, I just knew out of high school it was something I wanted to get into or dabble in. You've been with Urban Decay for upwards of a decade now. Mm-hmm. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the beauty industry over that time? Yeah, you know, I, I joined Urban Decay um, in the mid-2008. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, it was a different time for cosmetics because we had no social media. Exactly. Or social media presence like we do now. Mm-hmm. So it really was a word, more of a word of mouth. And the way to learn how to do makeup was women coming into the department stores Mm -hmm. and sitting with an artist and we teaching them where now the resources are endless you have youtube you have instagram um and there's so much out there that you can watch and do Mm -hmm. and learn from so in a shift that like that's shifted but also um there is this whole community now of outreach where you can show your work and relate to people like all over the world now which we used to not have which has made the beauty community just so much bigger and has given everyone a bigger platform Mm -hmm. now urban decay i feel like when we talk about cult products there's nothing quite like the naked palettes like they just um, they've taken on a life of their own how would you define a cult product and what is it that you think about these palettes that has just struck a chord for so many people? So anytime there's like a cult favorite, I think it's because it's something new and refreshing of that time. Mm-hmm. And it maybe is revolutionary for that period, whether um, it had been, you know, cream shadows or like blinding highlights. Mm-hmm. In 2010, the palette... Um, side of business was not that big of a competition. Right. Urban Decay was always known for palettes. And as a brand, we've always done color. 
and we used to do some neutral palettes, but we would add like pop or two of color. And when Naked launched, it was the first time Urban Decay had done an all neutral palette. Mm -hmm. So that was so different for the brand at the time. And no one had done a palette really quite like this because not only did we give you like super nude shades, but we gave you some shimmers, some satin, some matte, mm. some duo tones. And we really wanted to define what Naked was at that time. And it just took off overnight. Mm. And we've never seen a frenzy like that. And that really began like a revolution and whole turn up within the cosmetic world because Absolutely. after that every single brand tried to copy naked but no one could replicate its magic no they really haven't and the fact that they're still you know it's still as popular the og as it was when it launched yeah. but for it to have this many iterations and for them all to sell like yeah and you crazy. know our co-founder wendy zomner mm -hmm. um she's constantly creating new nak nakeds and new concepts for naked mm. because in 2010 naked was not warm tones naked was not these cherry huge yeah. shades you know naked was very neutral taupes and beiges so na what naked is now and what naked was then are two completely different things mm. i think a lot of the appeal of those palettes is that they are kind of within people's comfort zones obviously now with you know the cherry and things like that people are getting you know a bit more excited to yeah. experiment your personal approach to beauty is that bit more experimental and quite bold so what would your advice be to anyone who's hesitant to work color into their routine i would say at the end of the day this is makeup you're not trying to be a lawyer we're not <laughs> out here trying to like give life advice to anyone no. um you know you're supposed to have fun makeup's here for you to be able to express yourself however you want mm -hmm. and if you have an idea or something you want to try you should have the freedom to do so without being too scared to do it mm -hmm. and another thing that i've loved wendy's told me you know she's like whenever i want to try something daring or something bold and i'm just not confident with it or don't know how it's going to turn out i always do it right before bed because you're gonna wash your face anyways, so if you hate it, no one's ever gonna know. <laughs> I love but that. But you can't put yourself in a box. Just yeah. have fun, be creative. Um, wh whenever I do that, I sometimes create some of my best and most favorite looks. Mm -hmm. What are the heroes in your kit and what do you think every aspiring makeup artist should have on hand? Okay, there's three products that you need mm -hmm. um, in your kit at all times, regardless of notes. who you're working on. One is all-nighter setting spray. Yes. Um, it's a staple in my kit, not only just to set the makeup, but I use it for so many, so much mm -hmm. more. I use it to, you know, intensify highlight. I use it to create more of a liquid shimmer on the lid when I'm working with glitters. <laughs> I use it on set to keep down strays on the on the hair because mm -hmm. it won't be as tacky as hairspray. I've used it to comb into brows. I use it on my beauty sponge before I apply foundation so that it stays on all day. Like it's like endless what you can do with all night a setting spray. Um, also, another cult favorite you have to have is an um, eyeshadow primer potion. Oh my god, of course. I personally don't wear shadow daily, but mm -hmm. I wear my eye primer daily because it keeps my eyelids matte. Because ah. I get really greasy. Oh, that's a hot tip. Yeah. There we go. And you can even use a little dab of it under your eyes and it'll prime your concealer. There you go. And then my last staple has to be our 24-7 eye pencils. Mm. Um, they come in over 40 shades. Um, they glide on like a gel. They're so creamy, but you can use them um, as a liner. I use them a lot of the times as a base for my color, mm -hmm. especially if I'm on set and I have 10 minutes to do a quick eye. If I want to do something bold or a jet black smoky eye, I can use our liners as a base so that all I have to do is pat a little shadow on top and you're done. 
Amazing. You are really at the forefront of everything that's coming up in beauty, the trends, the products. What can we expect to see coming up for the rest of 2019? So for beauty, um, you're definitely noticing a shift. You're going to see a lot more skin focus Great. for this year. So it's, it's more about showing a beautiful, clean, real-life skin finish mm -hmm. rather than, like, layering up um, like it was a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and you're starting to see more, like, glass-like, glossy skin. So yeah. it's making a comeback. And gloss is making a huge return. So for a long time, we were seeing a lot of matte. Yes, we were. Gloss was kind of the taboo. Yes, now gloss is back because the 90s are coming back. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so those are big trends. And then lastly, of course, is brows. <laughs> um, rather than being super structured now and very um, arched, it's more of a really soft feathered brow, more fluffy, mm -hmm. more um, wearable. I gotta go back and tell the girls that did my makeup, tick, tick, tick. <laughs> glossy <laughs> lips, glossy skin, and bushy brows. All right, my final question. Yes. I imagine there are a lot of aspiring makeup artists who would kill to you know, emulate some of the success that you've amassed. What would your advice be to anyone wanting to make it in the beauty industry? I always say you have to work hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to have a lot of passion and dedication for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you have to have drive and always remember the bigger picture. There were many times where I didn't know what was going to happen with my career or I had a lot of self-doubt. But at the end of the day, the only person that you have to motivate you is yourself. So you have to always stay truly self-motivated mm -hmm. and make your presence known. Um, mm. Make your presence known by your art. If you want to succeed, you have to stay true to yourself and have your own aesthetic and not um, go away from it. Because a lot of the times, um, it's really easy to compare yourself to other people. And once you start doing that, that'll be your own demise. So stay true to yourself and be authentic. And your style and creativity will get you where you want to go. I love it. You're amazing. Thank you so Thank much. You. That was Urban Decay global makeup artist Steve Kasajikin. Two-Faced Global Pro Artist Elise Renault, Hourglass Global Makeup Artist Chanel Temple and NARS Global Artistry Director Uzo. To read these interviews, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts, you've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.